0: Thanks for downloading this episode of Historic Racing News. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching for Historic Racing News wherever they get their podcasts. Welcome to the Historic Racing News radio show. My name's Paul Tarsi, and this time on the Historic Racing News Radio show, we've got something a bit different. I was invited a couple of days ago to go up to Goodwood and to talk to Alan Brewer, who runs the Goodwood Road Racing Club, and to talk about all the things that they've been through over the course of the last 18 months and more, with the difficulties obviously with the pandemic and then running. All the events that they run this year Festival of Speed, then the revival, and then very, very quickly after that, the members meeting under some extremely trying conditions. The Historic Racing News Radio Show. This is a strange kind of situation because having parked the car at what is normally the Formula 1 paddock but is now full of staff cars here at Goodwood House I'm now walking across the front of Goodwood House towards the offices of the Goodwood Road Racing Club and it's really strange to see just beautiful, I say beautiful grassland there's uh, all the usual things that a stately home has to do in terms of there's somebody out there with a chainsaw and somebody out there with a little mini tractor doing all these things. But we better get in and talk to Alan Brewer. So it's a beautiful autumn day here at Goodwood, and we're sitting in the relatively new offices of the Goodwood Road Racing Club. We can look out across the Goodwood Park from this meeting room and see see all the all the lovely sights. It's very strange coming into this building because Normally when I'm here, it's surrounded by beautiful motor cars. But I'm here with Alan Brewer, who is the general manager of the Goodwood Road Racing Club. And this is a great place to work, isn't it?
1: It is. It's um it's a yeah, it's a brilliant place to come to each day to work, and, and like I said, these offices were it's a very old building we refurbished quite recently and usual usually at fest at the speed. Um, Rolls Royce would have a massive stand right outside right outside <laughs> this window, and now there's sheep sheep grazing everywhere. And um, no, it's wonderful wonderful place to be in a great environment. But like you say, very different to when we're in the build up to the
0: big events. It's been a been an interesting time, hasn't it? If we if we roll the clock back twelve months, then you didn't even know that you were going to have any events in 2021, did you?
1: No. So for first of all, great great to see you again, Paul. But no, if you um. Roll the clock back 12 months, we'd have been early November 2020. We'd have just come off the back of running our behind closed doors event, Speed Week, which is all we could do to salvage anything out of the 2020 season. And at that point, we had loose plans for 2021. Well, at that time, it was probably Plan J, if <laughs> come from going A to B to C, which is our best guess as the dates of events and what we may or may not be able to do with all sorts of contingency plans. And, uh, well, as you know, and as history told us, within a month or so, that was all out of date. And, yeah. we, you know, you know, it transpired very differently as we had expected. But here we are in November having pulled off the whole season, but in a very much different way to what we expected.
0: Yeah, members meeting in the, in the frost was <laughs> something different. But I think it's it's fair to say that the whole year has looked very different from Goodwood's point of view in, in many ways. I mean, you, you started off... As you say, not knowing what you were going to have, you you started by reinventing, reimagining the Goodwood Supporters Association, didn't you? And, and that was, I think, a, a surprise to to most GRRC members, Goodwood Road Racing Club members. Um, where did that thought come from? So we,
1: so COVID, when COVID started developing in what well, January, February, twenty twenty. At which time we were kind of in the build-up to planning and building the members' meeting, which is our first event of the year, purely for the uh, the club members of the Road Racing Club. And I think that event was being held end of March 2020, and full lockdown happened on the 22nd or 23rd. Um, which not only obviously being a logistical nightmare it was a, a financial disaster because the worst possible time to cancel an event is it was physically built. It was over a million pounds worth of infrastructure suppliers been you know kind of literally up and running ready to go effectively the only things to come in were fridges food flowers you know banners flags that kind of thing everything else was up so we we kind of went through all the stages of it's almost like the stages of grief (laughs) panic despair (laughs) anger and that probably went on for two or three months um and during that time, from kind of end of March through to May June, we didn't even know if Festival of speed was going to happen because, if you remember, back in March, we still didn't know too much about it. And I think everyone was thinking, "Well, by the summer, it would be gone." And then you heard, "Oh, perhaps it's going to be a, there'll be a second wave in the winter." So as long as we get everything done in the middle of the summer, we'll, we'll be okay. And obviously, as it transpired, we were effectively in lockdown. I think right there through to early or mid July. So it was around end of May. Where we kind of, I think it really dawned on us that not only did we have the financial hit of a, a fully built event being cancelled, but we also were faced with the eminent and likely prospect of no festival of speed and probably no revival. And also, uh, all the members of the Goodwood Road Racing Club affected their membership technically being redundant because. The membership unlocks benefits at those events. Take those events away. There isn't much of a membership in it strictly, you know, in terms of the tangible benefits. There's obviously there's much more to the club than that. So it was a number of things, really, that we and the conversations came about. I remember very well. I was having talks with the Duke of Richmond with my directors whilst walking the dog around where i live in the garden the only place i had phone signals by a compost heap so i remember vividly most of the conversations strategically (laughs) were in our garden by the compost heap in shorts and t-shirts it was lovely lovely summer um but we were just deciding what can we do that does two things effectively it rallies and cements the club and effectively kind of bonds everyone together in this time of uncertainty and panic and secondly being brutally honest mitigates the potential financial disaster and again at that point we just didn't know what the what the impact was going to be how long this is going to go on for and you have to remember it's not just the events that were cancelled the hotel was closed the airfield was closed the motor circuit was closed the golf courses were closed for a long time the only thing thing that was going really was the farm the farm shop <laughs> which was going which was going all guns blazing with a, you know all the panic buying at the shops but so the estate was in a real pickle because we didn't know what what was around the corner and Goodwood is just cash hungry in terms of it. It generates obviously a huge amount of revenue, but the costs around the estate are enormous because all the events rely on temporary infrastructure. Um, you know, just to, to physically run the estate and turn the heating on each day is a massive expense. So we had we had to come up with some something that effectively raised some funds and just raised support and kind of give us some confidence that that everyone can get through this. Um, and it was it was on various conversations with the Duke and he just had the idea kind of and he's very good at the kind of the, the bigger vision, if you like, just finding a single idea and kind of, right, let's go towards that. And he thought, why don't we revive, you know, we need to revive the Supporters Association. And for those for those of you that don't know, the Goodwood Supporters Association was started in the early nineties, um, when when the Duke took over the estate and his ambition was to reopen the circuit and effectively host the revival. And we couldn't get planning permission in terms of all the noise abatement and everything with with the surrounding area. So this supporters association came together to rally local government, council. It wasn't really about fundraising then. It was literally about lobbying and kind of local influence to say, hey, this, this is a great thing. We need to do this. And so they effectively lobbied on the side. And between their efforts and everything that Goodwood were doing, the planning permission was granted and the revival started. And it was the supporters association that then effectively came into what is now the Goodwood Road Racing Club. So all those original supporters were the founding members of the club. Hence, the revival is kind of the spiritual centre of the road racing club because that was its original mission, and it's just grown from there. So so he had this idea of, we need to revive this. It's been dormant for 20, you know, 25 years.
0: So it was actually the, the Duke's idea? It was the,
1: the Duke's kind of... Um, it, it was It was almost... From a business point of view, and kind of, and a good, you have to remember, Goodwood is it is it is a you know a business at the end of the day, and it's a self sustaining business that its sole mission is to just to survive and carry on for generations to come. From a business point of view, it was an, it was absolutely important that something was done to, like I said, rally support and offset these huge kind of um, potential losses during a year in an event with, in a in a business that doesn't sit on cash like a big company does. But it was his spark of imagination. This is the hook, right? I get that kind of strategy. I don't know how we're going to do that, but but the kind of the big picture here, or kind of the it's all kind of the big picture and the small idea. Yeah. GSA Goodwill Support Association. Let's fire it back up. You know that was almost kind of let's get this thing going again. And then from then it was a matter of, I'd say three or four weeks, where we effectively and like I say, where the original support association was like. not a slow thing, but it was a gradual kind of battle, if you like, of lobbying and campaigning. This was a short, sharp burst. What can we do to rally people together and effectively protect the membership, you know, the membership, the membership money, effectively the subscriptions in lieu of not being able to provide any of the benefits. So within about three or four weeks, a group of us got together and we thought, right, instead of all these benefits, we can give members in terms of events and tickets let's give them some lifelong benefits something that will last forever and be a perpetual reminder of their support and so we came up with a program of uh, plaques at the circuit uh, name plaques in the paddocks planting trees on the estate special moments when we do get back to doing events and we gifted it to all of our members and then we effectively you could then join it if you weren't a member and effectively effectively donate some money but receive these benefits and it it went down an absolute storm and not just with the club but with a wider goodwood community and and the road racing club in itself we, we we certainly refunded and rolled on lots of memberships where people were having specific financial challenges or health issues with covid no. but the number of people that came to us and said i haven't had any benefits this year i couldn't come to festler speak and i have my money back please was absolutely tiny like in the single digits virtually and it was this what we effectively what we did through the supporters association was just cement the membership for a year when we couldn't do any events like I say, gave them benefits that will last forever and then it also raised some money from people outside the club that want you know I'd love a plaque at the circuit and be remembered and so yeah it worked really well and and it's effectively disbanded now in terms of it had its single core mission. Right. Those plaques will stay there forever. Those trees, there's thousands of trees planted, will will grow, and that will turn into a massive forest. But like the original GSA came together to rally the circuit, this reinvigoration came together to fight through the pandemic, and hopefully, touch wood,
0: it's, <laughs> <laughs> that, that mission is oh, completed, wow, that, and on I we wish, go. I wish you had this, but I think it's it's interesting, and, and for for people who who haven't either had a look, or been to the circuit, that you've got the, the brass plaques all the way around the wooden fencing, um, through Madgwick and, and, and up through, out onto the circuit itself. And then people could also elect to uh, to have a a bigger brass plaque actually in the paddock, couldn't they?
1: Yeah, so if you wander around the, um, the circuit, you're, you're exactly right. You'll see plaques, you'll see strips, brass strips, all the way around the perimeter fence, about a mile of brass strips. Um, and then in the paddock shelters, individual plaques with people's names on, which were members that effectively contributed an, ad, an additional sum, which effectively then moved their name into the centre of the event. Um, and what's brilliant is we had members this year, you know, all you know, oh I'm dead chuffed. My plaque was in, you know, the car, the paddock shelter with the Gordon Murray T50 in it. And <laughs> how brilliant is that? I wonder what's going to be in there next year. And, and it's and because each paddock shelter has got ten or fifteen names in it yeah. again we're hoping over time there'll almost be a little community within each paddock shelter as well of people that come to know each other and, and all, again all came together for the same
0: cause all of that is a, a huge testament and a huge compliment to you and the GRRC team in terms of the camaraderie that that's engendered that people as you say didn't say I want my money back this wasn't just a financial transaction It was it was more than that and Goodwood has that that thing, whatever that thing is, that that people feel they belong, don't they? Yeah. So
1: ultimately, um, the Duke's doing what his ancestors have done at, the, at Goodwood for hundreds of years, which is effectively just host amazing social occasions. <laughs> Whether originally that was to come down and and play golf, or do point-to-point horse racing, go hunting, whatever it might be, now it happens to be predominantly motor racing, as you know, as far as the the big events. But the core of what the family is all about at the end of the day is just entertaining people, giving people a really good time, doing it properly, giving people the best environment. And actually, the Duke is relentless in his mission to create moments and experiences that have never been experienced before. So when when we try and get cars together for an anniversary, it's no good to have one of the cars. If there are 10 of them that featured in this moment, we need all of them. Because no one would have ever seen all of them before, except the lucky people that were there in period and I think as a result of that that and it is a relentless effort not from the Duke but it feeds down through the whole team I, th- I like to think we do create memories and experiences that really touch people emotionally and and the, the supporters association and and the reinvigorating of that that really cemented and it gave us confidence but hopefully cemented with everyone this emotional connection yeah that people have and I spoke to many members that said for them Goodwood is a it's like an adrenaline fix during a during pandemic when it wasn't there. It was like something was missing. Yeah. And it, it wasn't the tangible thing of going to an event. It was the, that emotional, almost kind of primeval experience <laughs> that they get at an event because they've seen something they've never seen before. or It's all that atmosphere that comes together.
0: You have how many members in, in GRRC?
1: So there's about 7,000 members. Right. And then the, with the fellowship community, there's about 20,000 in the kind of overall, overall club. Yeah club community yeah and
0: i would imagine that you have very little churn in that that you once you're a member of the grrc you stay a member
1: yeah the churn rate is is really low again in the single digits in terms of percentage so and usually um when people leave the club it's usually because either sadly they've passed away or ill health or emigrating um often it's because they used to come with a dear friend and their friend can no longer make it and they feel they can't, you know, yeah. they're doing a disservice coming on their own. So it's very rare, and you know, and, and we don't, we never pretend that we're perfect and we do everything right. And often it's very rare, but if people want to leave because they're unhappy, we obviously do our absolute utmost to make them happy. And that's, that is our mission. But sometimes just what we can provide and what they want just doesn't match up. And that's fine as, you know, that's absolutely fine as well. But there is this kind of again passionate group of people waiting waiting in the wings, but it's just a, a thriving community and and ultimately everyone seems seems really content and happy with what we do, but we' are constantly striving to do it better and improve and and never do the same thing twice and
0: all credit to you for that because that's that's very obvious i'm I'm interested about those seven thousand people who who are and continue to be g r r c members because Go to most historic events, um, historic racing events, and if you get a crowd of three or 4,000, you're doing very well. So those 7,000, would they be only coming to Goodwood events or would a, would a proportion of them only be coming to Goodwood events?
1: Yeah, so... I've- we don't know, obviously, how many of them go to other events. But from anecdote and from what I know, that the core people that come to Goodwood events regularly will be going to other events as well. Mm. But I think what's different is that it's only really in terms of historic racing the Goodwood events that attract. It's not just the members coming, but the the wider group. I think people often forget you don't like you said you don't see fifty thousand people, at, you know, at some of these other historic events like you do at the Revite. It just doesn't happen, yeah. and all the partners that come together um and i think again that's just testament to the fact it's more than just some good old fashioned historic racing it's the whole show <clears throat> and be- excuse me and because of the racing being so spectacular there's this just kind of full cycle if you like where because the racing's so so great that encourages more historic racers to come and do it because they know it's the kind of the the most intense the most competitive and there's just this never-ending cycle (laughs) and then that that then attracts more people to come and see it that then makes more historic races want to come and that's why i think the level of cars that race for example is just going up and up and up um and the members uh, to another part of your point a lot of our members very few of our members will go to all of our events every year in terms of festival speed members meeting and revival very few will come to all three some won't go to any in a given year um and some do lots of our social events but won't come to the big headline events they come on our driving tours or our factory visits but again that's that's the kind of point and, and the club the club is much more than just a list of events it's that overall kind of feeling and some people i think are in it just for the kudos and i want to support goodwood i, I very rarely i can make it down there because i live in aberdeen or wherever it might be but yeah.
0: i just love it and i love getting the newsletters and being part of it and, but there's complete 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 mix uh, you, you said about the the disaster that was members meeting 2020 which which didn't happen and that you went through all of all of that and that whole year of of nothing much happening um except for speed week which you know, with the best one in the world wasn't any of the three but it was the best that could be expected you came into 2021 then and as you say It was we we had gone through that whole twelve months and more of oh it'll all be over soon. You know, it's a bit like the First World War, it'll all be over by Christmas. That it'll all be over soon, it will it will all sort itself out. And of course it didn't, and we know that. But for Festival of Speed, that was right up to the wire, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, so and actually before that, members' meeting is usually in March or April. We made the plan at the end of 2020, let's just err on the safe side and we'll put it in May. And before we even got to Festler Speed, members meeting had to be moved again, because by February, March, April time, I can't remember if we were still in full lockdown, but we couldn't do an event with Mm. 20,000 people there. So members meeting had been moved. So that's one event now, like moved and kind of kicked down the road. Um, Festler Speed is now right, your turn, you're up next, Festler Speed. Yeah. So I think that was scheduled for early July. And again, Festler Speed, uh, even compared to Revival, is just enormous in terms of the logistical undertaking and the financial risk in terms of building it, because it is all temporary. Um, water, power, not just, not just the stands and the things you see, but the things underground, the things that power everything you see. Trackway, there's no roadway in for all the trucks to get in. So before you even think about building it, you need to be quite sure it's going to happen. And obviously, March, April, May, we couldn't be sure. But the, one of the things that I think that the Duke has kind of led the estate through this is at any time during the pandemic, no one knew what we were going to be facing three months down the road. But the philosophy of the estate the whole way is, well, let's just make an assumption and we'll just go with that. We can't sit here and do nothing or think, well, there's five options, so let's have five different plans. It's kind of, let's assume we can do it. And I think the assumption for Festival of Speed... When we were back in kind of March April, was the assumption was we'll be able to do it, but probably at half capacity and all open air, so no, you know, no kind of fixed enclosed spaces and probably with social distancing. So we planned it. That we don't know if that's going to be the case. We still have plans B, C, and D kind of up our sleeve, but this is the one we're now discussing in meetings. What does Festival Speed now look like with this set of assumptions in terms of tickets, sponsors, the build, the, you know, the, the competitors are going to come. And then as it got closer, it even looked like as we got to May, June, again, I can't remember the exact time frame now, but as it got closer, I think there hadn't been any events of even over four or 5,000 people yeah. by, the, by the summer. Um, and, but then we were hearing wind that I think the British Grand Prix, Wimbledon, uh, the European Championships, that there were going to be some events that were going to be these kind of pilot schemes, if you like full crowd, effectively, all bets are off, but kind of lateral flow test, you know, and kind of various parameters of people to come in effectively just to collect data and see what happens when big groups of people get together. And so come, it was literally probably early June, four weeks out, we thought we were still, we're building it to these assumptions of reduced capacity, all open air, 50%, but it became clear that we're not going to be able to do this though. The rules just say, no matter how much open air you have, you can't get more than 30 people together or whatever it was. So the only chance was, we need to get in this pilot scheme. We need. That was it, and and so and again, just as I was saying, that we no one kind of dilly dallied and kind of sat around thinking, "What if?" We thought, right, this is now the new plan. That plan worked really well. It's become clear, the situation has changed. Those assumptions that we planned aren't going to pan out. So, new set of assumptions. We cannot run an event unless we're a pilot. Right, let's go get a pilot status. And it
0: was that binary. It was if we don't get pilot status, yeah, because
1: we look well. We looked at moving it to August, um, which then you're straight into clashing with well, not summer holidays, but staycations mm. again, people. And I can't remember if schools were back or not yet. But then you're in schools. Um, all the big European car companies effectively shut down in August. You know, in terms yeah. of their kind of corporate entertaining and if they're all you know big summer holidays in Europe. Um, And we thought we're just kicking the can further down the road. Festler speed doesn't really work in the winter because all the ground it's on. We can't really afford to delay it again. So pilot status, let's just go for it.
0: It was that or nothing.
1: Yeah, and so over a course of three or four days, the application is a formal proper process through the Department of Culture, Media and Sport. The full application was put together with a case and we worked with Public Health England and everything. And then effectively, the status got granted... I think the status got granted a week or two before the event, uh, but then it's not quite as simple as that as well because the government effectively grants status for you to operate as a pilot, but then you're still uh, operating within the jurisdiction of another local authority that isn't directly connected to the government.
0: This is the Public Health England,
1: exactly, and and so and so they, they quite rightly have their own concerns. You know, the government are interested in kind of data for national. Um, unlocking of big sporting events over time locally and quite rightly every area is interested in what's the what's the what the the case rates in our own hospitals what are our local constituents going to say about you know people gathering so we got granted the pilot status and then and then following that there were then conversations locally which was to discuss almost the government said you can run this event and there's effectively a barrier around the event And within that barrier, kind of COVID law doesn't apply. Mm. However, like with any event, you still have to go through a process with local authorities about traffic plans and crowd control and all that kind of thing. So we still went through all of that. And it probably wasn't until three or four days before the event where we knew exactly what uh, interior spaces would look like, masks or no masks, all that kind of thing. That close. That close, yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, because at the time, obviously, in pubs and bars, I think you could go to a bar, but you couldn't, drink at the bar for example you had to have table yeah. service so right up until three or four days before we weren't quite sure how the food service was going to work would you have to order would you have to order a beer from a table via a waitress or could you go up to a bar that was three or four days out that's amazing yeah so it was and this is obviously yeah. go, usually festival of speed is the hardest event of the year just on its own in a normal year is it yeah oh by, by a long way and so this was all kind of on top of just effectively you know getting 600 race cars here building grandstands
0: 15 or 20 manufacturers all arriving you know happening at once as well but surely with your sponsors with your exhibitors with all of those people they must have been right up against it as well and and we didn't see the big uh, stands and the three-story stands from Ford and those kind of things that we've seen in the past and presumably that was simply because they didn't have the time to put things together
1: yeah so it was a mixture of time uh in terms of planning and actually another thing we did the other reason why the duke was very adamant about let's make some assumptions and go with it is we needed to show that confidence and direction to all of our partners as well and they all kind of really bought into it but obviously they're all facing their own challenges whether it's travel or cost budgets because obviously no one was buying cars and things during that time either (laughs) um everyone was buying second-hand sports cars to go to scotland <laughs> it was kind of booming but yeah then you had all the supply issues and things but that was across you know across all industries so through a combination of all those things what we actually saw is almost an acceleration of a trend we're seeing we've already been seeing at festless speed which and these things tend to go in cycles but 10-15 years ago it was about buy a patch of land build the biggest stand you possibly could make it bigger than the manufacturer that was next to you make it triple decker if needed and and kind of bigger is best. And over time, manufacturers in particular have adapted their model to, actually, this is more about just building a stand for four days. This is about doing something at Goodwood that we can show digitally across the whole world and, yeah. and kind of show that what... So actually, there was already a kind of a slight change in the layout of the event and kind of a, a slightly reduced number of those people that are building the big, you know, the big structures. And I think all this has really done is just accelerated that, but those brands are—they were—they all, were all came and they're all there, and in some ways they had a bigger presence. It's just not physically in terms of bricks and mortar
0: that's, at at the event. That's really interesting. Yeah, that clearly we've seen we've seen the the stands that are there, which are bigger than anything that you would have seen decades ago at Earls Court or at the NEC for the motor show as it then was, and that. Certainly, the Festival of Speed had become effectively the motor show for, for the UK. And, and it was noticeable that there was a, a different way of going about it. And it's interesting to hear you say about the, the digitalization of, of how, how that worked. But presumably, it must have been a very hard sell for your sponsorship and, and, uh, and the teams generally to get people to commit.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, the sponsorship teams have had a real you know, the last 18 months has been really tough. And there's been a mixture of kind of fulfilling obligations, which are contracted for 2020 that had to be cancelled. So are effectively rolled over to so then obviously trying to find new and additional sponsors like we would have to every year, but obviously in a really challenging place. What, what was a real benefit is there weren't many places you could go and activate as a sponsor. And so, and if people were generally staying at home, you know, how could you get people to come and see your new cars, for example? And what other events could you go to? So in some ways, it was a real challenge. In other ways, it was a massive opportunity because we were the only place that you could debut or launch a car for 12 months you know, in terms of people coming and seeing it. But no, they, the whole sponsorship team effectively had 18 months of just, again, like, like the whole Goodwood team, but writing new plans, tearing them up, starting again, <laughs> yeah. new assumptions, moving date changes, and all the time in communication with all of our partners and sponsors that to an event like Festival of Speed are absolutely essential
0: in making it happen and also they're a big part of the show for everyone. So you you went through the whole thing of the, the difficulties, let's say, of Festival of Speed and that then, before you knew it, you were straight into revival. From my side of the fence, it felt as if, revival was back to where it always had been but i guess that isn't all the story
1: no so revival and certainly on event you're exactly absolutely right it felt like a normal revival and at that time all covid restrictions affected across the whole of the uk had had been lifted it was just down to individuals own you know kind of due due diligence however we, as I said earlier, we, we planned a whole set of assumptions at various times during the pandemic. And our assumption, at the start, our assumption going into 2021 was that March, April would be too risky to run members meetings, so let's run it in May. Festless speed, we can probably do in June, July, but only at half capacity. Both of those two turned out to be wrong. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for good or for, for better or for worse. And revival was, I think our assumption was we can do it, um to full capacity but with a real conscious effort to space people out as much as possible because it's very likely legal social distancing is still a thing yeah so some of the changes that there are a couple of main changes at revival this year which were the addition of a new bridge uh, across the track before magic so after the start line and a whole new area of lavant infield um, and they were they were designed and conceived of months before the revival, in our efforts to consciously spread people out as much as possible because of social distancing. Now they were obviously there's reasons why we've wanted to do those changes in the past anyway because being able to move people around the site more efficiently and create more space is beneficial for lots of reasons. gives gives people a better experience. It allows you to open up new areas for new exciting content. There's a whole range of reasons to do it. But this is a really good example of where under the shroud of COVID, we did something because we had to do it. We didn't really have a choice at the time because of COVID. But we had lots of learnings from and it's something we may very well keep in the future. And actually a really good example of that as well as Festival of Speed. We changed lots of our structures from being kind of closed sided, um, you know, aluminium and PVC traditional structures, you know, rectangular tents effectively to being open sided Stretch tents and all sorts of other things like that. festival speed that we're actually going to keep quite a lot going forward, just because it seemed to work better, or that like it, it enabled the food and drink service to run differently. So actually, lots of things and and revival. Those changes we did to spread people out, which in hindsight we didn't strictly need to do from a legal point of view. We decided we were going to do the many months in advance because we thought it might be a criteria we'd have to satisfy to get you know the green light in terms of all our risk assessments and plans to run the event. We got some really good learnings from and I think made, made the experience better for people. It didn't, certain areas where it didn't work, but in general, we learned a whole lot and it was because of things we never would have done otherwise or wouldn't have done this quickly.
0: Uh, that's that's interesting. I think you say about the, the bridge at Madgwick, uh, which I think there was some, th- there were some different views, shall we say, when, when you announced it, that there was going to be a, a bridge. But... I haven't heard anybody say an, a negative word about it since Revival, that it was there and it worked and that it was it was a useful addition and, and didn't have any impact to the people.
1: Yes. Yeah, so when we announced the bridge, um, and I guess for those of you listening that either have been to Goodwood or haven't, I think one, one of the, the key factors in why a bridge at the circuit is so controversial, if you like, it's just because the circuit is is the only circuit in the world that's kind of running in its bond day state exactly as it was in period mm. um and nothing effectively is changed and the idea in principle of putting a massive bridge across the track and kind of i'm I'm playing you know effectively playing the devil's advocate here of destroying that kind of aesthetically what it looks like um You know, kind of lots of people are kind of not up in arms, but kind. I can't believe I can't believe they're in considering this. And I have to, as well, emphasise the duke was really worried about this and thought long and hard about whether he want to do this or not. But, but behind the scenes, and perhaps what a lot of people don't understand is there's a lot of, um, lot of careful decision making, but complex kind of CAD modelling and kind of 3D designing to work out where does this bridge go. What does it actually do to the sight lines? Where are the support pillars for it? What does it do to the driver's sight lines? Depending on where you're sat in various grandstands, are you going to see it? What's it going to be covered with? How deep is it? How tall is it? Yeah. Um, and like I say, ultimately, we kind of had to do it this year to to be seen to moving people around the site. And as a result, I think people were kind of worried before they came, oh, this bridge is going to be a monstrosity. It's yeah. going to ruin the view. And I had lots of photographers in particular um, just because you know they used to have certain shots, and actually, we turned up on event. You barely noticed it was there. No, and it blended in. It was it was aligned with green meshing, which blended into the trees behind it. The drivers didn't say a word about it, um, and we haven't had anything but positivity about it.
0: Moving on to members' meeting, and I think members' meeting has always been very successful. It's always been very well received there is an element of the old Brooklands thing of the right crowd, no crowding. But for me, members meeting really came of age this year. And I don't know whether it's me, whether it's the time we live in or something else, but would that be fair to say? Um,
1: I think that's probably just a very personal (laughs)
0: uh,
1: thing and hopefully echoed (laughs) by um, everyone that attended. I think members' meeting. There's something special about it this year because it bookended the season, or kind of you know, kind of was a season finale. It was the first event that was cancelled, so this we hadn't run a members' meeting in, since spring 2019. So what's that? 18 months. Yeah, i do yeah. the maths. Yeah. Um, so it, it was the event that had the longest, two, no, over two years I think over the longest hiatus. The weather was fantastic. It was I think it rained on Saturday morning for half an hour, you know, a bit of downpour actually, but then the sun was out and actually both days were, were beautiful. And just the fact members meeting, it's got this this wonderful atmosphere. And I th- I think almost members meeting was just a massive relief for everyone. For the Goodwood team. Yep. It was like drawing, you know, the curtains on the season. All the members and the people in the GRRC fellowship that came with all their guests. It was like, you know, perhaps their last hurrah of the event season before winter. And I think it just drew an amazing line under everything. And then not to mention the racing was incredible. The demonstrations oh, yes. were brilliant. Yes. To see Bruno Senna drive Ayrton's car that he won the World Championship in around the circuit at full chat. And again, that's something that, actually, one of my most vivid memories of Goodwood was the very first new members meeting, the 72nd. And one of the demonstrations was the Silk cart Jaguars. And it was so weird seeing cars with stickers on drive around the circuit because <laughs> yeah. you just don't see anything like and i think perhaps now that people see the members meeting all the images and photography are used to it but i i still find there's something really weird about seeing a car like you know marlboro mclaren going around the circuit because yeah. you're kind of conditioned to just seeing a silver ac cobra or a red ferrari yeah so that that was amazing but um i think it was just a wonderful event from our side it went really smoothly um and I think, yeah, people massively enjoyed it. But but like you say, I think for lots of people it's their favourite event of the year and is very much now the staple Goodwood Road Racing Club event.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got revival, which you know it's it's very different from something like the Silverstone Classic or or anything like that. That revival sits there in a in a pocket with with Henley and Royal Ascot and those sorts of things far more than it does with the Silverstone Classic. And and yet Members Meeting is an enthusiast's weekend, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so Members Meeting was always designed to be for the enthusiast. So effectively, you know, great racing with no frills. But when we when we originally designed the new interpretations of Members Meeting, which I think the first one was in 2013 or 2014 or there or thereabouts, The big challenge was because we're still very restricted what we can do on the circuit from a licensing perspective in terms of the racing. Mm. And in terms of the racing, there's only one race, the Jerry Marshall Trophy, which has got the kind of much more modern cars. Again, all the modern saloon cars with with stickers and sponsors on. Um, So actually, when it boils down to it, it was very hard to design a members meeting with the aim of it having a smaller crowd and being more exclusive because it's purely for the club. That didn't just look like revival stripped back, and right. that was the real worry at the time. How do you make this thing not just feel like revival deconstructed? Yeah, you know, and kind of the revival's lesser cousin. So the the two things that happened effectively was one: okay, we can't race more modern cars reliably in, you know, in great scale and do like the whole modern race weekend, but we can put them on circuit and do parades and demonstrations, which we can't do at revival just because of our own limitations we put on the event. Um, so instantly, that opens the door to have anything going around the circuit, just not racing competitively. So instantly, if you wander around the paddocks at members' meeting, it's more like wandering around the Festival Speed paddock. You've still got Duncan Pittaway's Beast of Turin and Sean Lynn's AC Cobra, which you'd see at Revival and Festival Speed, but you then also have the cars that would only be at Festival of Speed, NASCARs there, modern Formula One cars, Ayrton Senna's, Marlborough McLaren. And then secondly, the event feel... Um, with it all being designed for springtime, the whole, the whole thing, we planted hundreds of thousands of daffodils, all the marquees and tents are dressed with hay bales and straw, and, and the whole thing, it just feels like English springtime. There's fire pits everywhere, we've made blankets for people they can use in the grandstands. And so it's just got this complete different identity now. And so on paper, if you look at the, kind of the scale of the event and the entries, it probably is more in line with something like the Silverstone Classic. But again, because of all those touches which we had to make to differentiate it from the revival and make it a Goodwood event in its own right, again, it probably sits in a weird kind of different category. Yeah. Where it yeah. still is ultimately a brilliant motor racing event, but it has this wonderful, unique feel around the edges, which is very different to then what you'd get at other you know, motor racing events around the world.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right that it is those things around the edges that make it a Goodwood event. I'm interested by the the restrictions that are put in place presumably by motorsport uk in terms of of what you can and can't run at members meeting so is is the jerry marshall trophy the the rover v8s and and the and the the big american v8s are those going to be the newest cars that we ever see i
1: think so I mean, to be honest i i'm not close to we have a um, a competitions team at Goodwood that effectively their job is to to get all the cars here and get them out racing in a way that satisfies the parameters and regulations as laid out by motorsport UK in terms of the license, the British automobile racing club in terms of marshalling and actually running the track. And then the FIA in terms of the license that the circuit is regulated to. So their job is to get the best group of cars and drivers they can possibly assemble from the whole world to authentically and in the most exciting possible way create something that's either celebrating what happened or creating something new and to, to within the boundaries of those parameters stretch it as far as we possibly can to put on the best show i don't know all the full details but there's effectively something in the license which is about cars of a similar type um being shown to not go faster than their contemporaries in period, if like. I think I've explained oh, that right. really badly. Okay. And I don't know the, the full details, and so I've got to be careful exactly what I say, so I don't say anything wrong. But effectively, those Jerry Marshall cars, there's a, effectively aren't going particularly quicker than the equivalent saloon cars in period. Whereas when you look at sports cars, yeah. which the track was built, you know, obviously to accommodate those cars at the time, they're going, they'll be going hugely faster than they were effectively. So at least for the short term, those Jerry Marshall cars they're kind of a bit of an exception and they're kind of the the most modern thing you'd see racing. But in terms of demonstrations, it's effectively whatever we want we can put out there. They just have to be, they're going around more under kind of spirited parade. Right. Or kind of track day rules as opposed to racing.
0: Which is still pretty impressive and pretty exciting to see.
1: Yeah. And one of the things actually this year, for the first time ever, we just put one car out. So for those of you that are sim, so... We're celebrating the anniversary of Ayrton Senna's last Formula One World Championship this year. And we wanted to get a whole group of his cars here for a number of reasons to go out on circuit and effectively have, you know, six or seven of Ayrton Senna's most well-known cars out on circuit. For a number of reasons, we couldn't get all the cars here to run. Um... And actually, the, the competition team, which I've just mentioned, made the conscious decision, actually, let's just put one out. Let's mm-hmm. just put Bruno in one car and let that speak for itself. And that was an example where, and I think it was a really good learning for that team, that in the past, they've always thought about scale. So if we're going to celebrate Senna, we need the most number of and Senna cars ever, or Schumacher, or whatever it might be. Whereas actually, this one was more about, what if one car can tell the story then you only need the one car effectively. And actually, I think from the event, anecdotally, I think the thing that people came away with that emotional connection to more than anything else mm. was seeing that one car go around. And it wouldn't have worked if it, was, if it wasn't Bruno driving it. No, no. If it was you know, someone from you know, just the collector or the owner of the car, yeah. it wouldn't have been quite the same, but it was Bruno driving his uncle's car yeah. on its own. So that was the only thing you could focus on from a noise point of view and from a visual point of view. And people, you know, were I think touched by it, and very it was very. incredible.
0: I've I've heard plenty of people say that uh, yes, it's there. There was uh, there was more than one less than dry eye in the house. You know, indeed, that, uh, it was the case. And as Peter Snowden said on our last podcast, nobody told Bruno what a demonstration lap is supposed to be. I mean, he was he was really going for it, wasn't he?
1: Well, and the other thing as well. I mean the he was going for it but and the risk is just you know it's one person out there there's no risk zero risk of car to car contact he's not going to put his uncle's (laughs) world championship car into a tire wall and so for that reason he kind of cracked on and it was um yeah and we it was it was an amazing display and um to hear that car you could you could follow it all the way around the circuit without seeing it you know exactly where it was you could you know to hear the yeah the downshifts into the corners and things was just yeah just incredible yeah
0: downshifts with uh, with a gearbox and uh, yeah yep. every, a gear stick and yeah f- fabulous stuff so you've put all those to bed you've you've done that and congratulations on, on a, a brilliant year from, from all the team but GRRC isn't just about the three big events is it there's there's much more to it than that yeah so we run about fifty. Well,
1: give it 40 to 60 social events in any year and and the, the goodwood road racing club has a number of hats if you like but it does everything from being a traditional kind of season ticket model like you might have a, a football club mm-hmm. where you join the club and you get certain tickets and get discount off tickets and some people just use it for that and then its other hat is effectively for a lot of our members it acts as their social club for the year so some people might be in the MG Owners Club and others would be in the Goodwood Road Racing Club and often in both. But we also satisfy that demand in terms of that we do our own driving tours. We do about eight or nine track days a year. We do a sprint event on Easter Monday at the circuit. We do two auto solos at the circuit, which is kind of the the most kind of the entry level Motorsport, you know, the lowest level motorsport you can do in terms of cost, accessibility. You have to drive, you know, bring your own car and drive it to the circuit right. with an MOT and insurance to to compete. Um, and then we do balls, gala dinners, factory visits, a huge range of a huge range of events, and some of which are for ten or twenty people, others are for thousands of people, and everything in between. So it's it's an incredibly diverse um, calendar. And then we also have various other benefits which we keep rolling all year round for the members as well. So various privileges and discounts off Goodwood merchandise and food and drink at our various restaurants. And then anyone in the Goodwood Road Racing Club, whether you're a fellow or a member and fellowship, as we should say is that's the kind of uh, the entry level into the Goodwood Road Racing Club. Yeah. Um, Everyone in the whole Goodwood Road Racing Club also gets access to all our videos and live streams and things before the public as well. So it's, um, it's a full-time job for a team of <laughs> six or seven people. Um, and then what's strange, actually, is when we do the revival of Festler Speed, the club effectively become a customer of, for example, the Festler Speed team. So we're, we're kind of internally treated in the same way as Mercedes, Benz, or a sponsor would be at the event in terms of we give the Festler Speed team a brief. We would like a pavilion. We'd like it to be this size, the furniture to be white, um, and we love our members, please, to have access to that grandstand over there, if you like. And then, in theory, we go back to our office and Karen doing our membership thing. And we turn up to the event and the pavilion's built. Obviously, yeah, it's more complicated than that. We arrive, we do our thing, we host, then we pack up, come home, and then we move on to the next one. So as a team, it's quite diverse because you're doing everything from organising and running your own events to then being one part of a massive, yeah. you know, massive event like the Festival of Speed yeah. and... And um, it's just a pleasure and an, an honour to, to effectively and to look after all our, our members are fantastic and we know lots of them personally. An even larger number we know kind of by sight and but not yeah. necessarily by name. Um and yeah, it's brilliant
0: seeing seeing all the familiar faces and everyone enjoying it. One of the high spots for me this year, for the for the Goodwood year, was you were kind enough to let me come and, uh, and be part of the evening with Roger Penske uh, at the festival, which was one of those those kind of bolt-on things that, that you're so good at. And that, for me, just to be in the same room as Roger Penske was, was pretty amazing. But those kind of things are the almost hidden benefits, aren't they?
1: Yeah, so we, we try to do as much as possible within the club to give people a chance to do something they would never be able to yeah. do. And like you said, just to be able to share three things happened that night one was to share a share a space with roger penske in an intimate there are about 100 people there and to him just to talk for an hour mm. he just landed he landed that day and came straight here and straight in there I remember all my team saying thing. are you sure he'll be able to do it and i was like oh, this is roger penske he's got <laughs> he's got the energy to do this like <laughs> if he says he's coming he's he's coming um so not just to share the room with roger penske but then we took all the members up to the paddocks and they had a tour around all the Penske cars that were there. There were about 20 or 30 of his Indy cars, NASCARs, road racing cars, a GTO that he raced at Revolve, or similar same as the one he raced at Goodwood in period. And then the members then came back and then got to enjoy a firework display that happened in front of the Goodwood house and Travis Pastrana do a display in his Subaru that he was taking up the hill yeah. later that week, his Jim Gymkhana Subaru. Um, and we that, that again was put together about a month before just because... We we like to sometimes it's a curse and sometimes it's a blessing. But we like to pride ourselves that we can do things very quickly and kind of we're quite an entrepreneurial company. There's very little red tape or bureaucracy around. So, once Pensky was kind of confirmed that he was coming, you're like, well, we should try and do something, Roger Pensky. Should we do it during the event or before or after?" and then we kind of parked it for a bit and then we thought well, actually the night before the event we're doing a ball anyway like a black tie dinner that has a fireworks display so why don't we get Roger here and we'll do two events one is a black tie dinner which we always do and the other one is in a separate location with Roger Pensky but then they can still see the same fireworks and the and the car display and so we it all just kind of came together and we thought let's we wrote a very quick plan just in terms of right cost for food and drink Cost for marshals okay, what do we think we can kind of what's a fair ticket price that pays for the event but is a good price for members? Let's just go with it. See what happens. And we ran with it and it was again really popular. I'm glad glad that, you know, you are one of the people that came and enjoyed it. Uh, and again it's something we'll probably repeat next year. We don't know who it will be with and what format if it will be the same format, but yeah, it's worked really well and we're constantly just looking for opportunities. Like that, and we're constantly having other clubs come to us and say, "Hey, we're doing this thing over here. It's not fully subscribed, or we'd love to give it a bit of a push. Do you want to put it out to your members?" And okay. and as an example, a group of our members, about twenty-five members, were invited to the RAC in London the day after members' meeting for a dinner with Tom Christiansen. And again, it was just because we're, we we you know we're friends with the RAC. We often open our events up to their members and vice versa. So there's all these, and again, that was announced about a week before just cuz it was tied into Tom Christensen's itinerary and we thought yeah let's just go with it and and see what happens and you know if you build it they will come kind of mentality <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
0: and they do yeah that's the point so we sit here. it's it's the end of 2021 and that we've uh, we I think we can honestly say a hugely successful 2021 for goodwood in general and grrc in particular what about twenty twenty two? What's uh, what's what's in the pipeline? Here's so your, here's your chance, Alan, to uh, to to break the news.
1: So we're hope well, we're hoping twenty twenty two is it. So twenty twenty one was all about just deliver the events which we promised to deliver in twenty 2020. twenty. So twenty twenty one was still really damage limitation mm. and kind of just clear the books, if you like, get all these tickets that we effectively sold and honoured to people, get all that all those events delivered and then just put 2021 to bed. And everyone is just exhausted <laughs> as well, because <laughs> I've had 18 months of just not knowing, and then all these events. And, and actually, to do members' meeting four weeks after revival was a yeah. huge push as well. So the aim for 2021 was very much, let's just get through it and kind of get back to zero, if you like a starting point. 2022 is a weird one in that, and we're constantly doing this at Goodwood, primarily 2022 is just about, Let's reset and carry on where we left off in 2019. So internally within Goodwood, the fundamental plan for 2022 is do what we did in 2019. In terms of to deliver those events, the financial targets effectively, let's just get back to a baseline. We've had this, the world's had its wobble. Let's just get back to a baseline and then kind of continue the plan on from there. However, there are some new things um, and obviously all the, the Festler Speed Revival and members meeting are all having the, their usual debriefs and all the content will be yeah. mixed up and layouts will be reviewed. And as we alluded to earlier, there's quite a few things that we did at the events this year because of COVID that will be staying because they just worked yeah. better. Um, but we do have two new events next year within the events division. Um, and people may or may not have heard of. So there was a cancelled event, which was going to happen May 2020, called GoodWoof. Effectively celebration of dogs. <coughs> Excuse me. Um I'll have to stop again, sorry. sorry. <coughs> <coughs> oh <dear. coughs> Yeah, good woof. Yeah. Good
0: woof. Good woof, yeah. Wow. you'll be up here with Wilson right here. <coughs> <coughs> and there's a few things that are going to be new in uh, in twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah, so there's there's two new events that we're doing uh, alongside our three motorsport events. Um, one of which was already uh, announced and in the makings before lockdown, but perhaps went a bit under the radar, not everyone will be aware of. And another one is a new initiative which has come about over the last 18 months or so. Um, but So two new events that are happening at Goodwood next year. One is called Goodwood, um, <laughs> which celebrates the estate's uh, longstanding love of dogs. And again, the whole reason the family came down to Goodwood was you know, so it was effectively their kind of a country retreat from London and they go hunt hunting and the family have always had dogs. Um, and dogs are fully welcomed at our clubhouse as well, the kennels. And the kennels, you know, as its name suggests, was the original kennels for all the dogs that were at Goodwood. So we're effectively, in the same way we celebrate cars at the motorsport events and horses up at the, the horse racing circuit, we are celebrating dogs uh, in May next year the maybank holiday weekend um which will be two days of everything fantastic about dogs but again done in a completely unique goodwood way but it's it'll be equally as appealing for our four-legged friends as it is for the owners (laughs) as well so so that's all being planned at the moment and there'll be whether you want to come with a dog or without a dog and then there'll be certain activities where the dogs can take part in and then others obviously you know where you might just want to come and enjoy the event with your dog but the whole event just designed around dogs and that'll be at the park that'll be at the kennels yeah. um so i'll be in the in the land behind the back of the kennels um and then in august uh we'd, we're effectively doing a cycling event called a britannia which is a long-standing cycling event which has used has been held up in the peat district which is relocating down to goodwood and is a celebration of of all things cycling but again in a, not in fully the same way at revival but it it, it will have a period feel but it effectively celebrates everything about cycling that isn't what you typically think about cycling. So the Lycra and the the kind of being really competitive and going out there. It'll be very much people um, in traditional bikes, cycling around the circuit, and then there's also rides out in the countryside as well. But the spirit being effectively, you know, last person back wins. Very, very (laughs) lighthearted and a real kind of nice festival atmosphere, but just in the same, you know, celebrating the bicycle effectively. Um, so that will happen in august then goodwood in in may so we we're, we're adding two two new events and then the Festival of speed revival and members meeting will have i'm sure lots of twists and turns as well and, and new evolutions that you'll see
0: it's going to be another very busy year for you alan i can i can see that and congratulations for weathering the storm would be fair to say i think you've you've gone through a huge amount uh, you and and all of the goodwood team and it's been very difficult, I know, for, for everybody here and in motorsport generally to to get through this and you've done that and to hear that you move into twenty twenty two with such a positive attitude is is gonna be good. And you're gonna be you're gonna be out there doing your stuff.
1: Yeah, we can't, we can't wait really. I think everyone I'm on holiday next week as we record yeah, you know, as we we're here now. Most people are having a decent chunks holiday now and there'll be a lovely break over December, but then we're fully back into it and we're really excited about next year. But to go back to what you just said, we're very relieved to get through it. Also, hopefully, and for those of you listening that have watched any of our events online or attended, we we were just determined as well to just do something. And Speed Week was a great example, although we couldn't have crowds there because that was held right in the middle of the pandemic. There was no motorsport on television nothing was happening so we were just passionate about let's do something and let's just create a bit of light for people and hopefully now, now people can come and experience that in reality You know with the events we're doing but we're all just relieved in the Duke in particular to be back doing what we, we do best which is just opening the doors and hopefully putting on a great show for people to come and enjoy life so long may that continue and yeah we're very excited about next year and all the challenges and excitement it will no doubt bring
0: Alan Brewer, General Manager of Goodwood Road Racing Club thank you very much indeed
1: thank you Paul and yeah thanks everyone for listening thank you